When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. First of all, I decided to do it proudly and confidently as a woman. That it was actually an advantage to be a woman, and I would do a better job precisely because I was a woman. That is Mary Robinson, the first woman to be president of Ireland, and now a forceful advocate for reversing the harm done by climate change. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Mary Robinson is devoted to tackling climate justice for all. Climate change affects every aspect of global society, but more often than not, When it comes to decision-making around things like resource management, adaptation, and mitigation, women are left out of the process. That's something Mary Robinson is working to change. She is certainly equipped to make a difference. After all, Mary Robinson has held some of the highest positions in the world. She served as the first woman to be president of Ireland and later as the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. She began focusing her efforts on climate justice as the United Nations envoy on climate change. And today she continues to work to secure global justice for those most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. I've had the good fortune to know Mary through many of these iterations in her public service. I sat down with her for a conversation as part of the podcast, Seeking Peace, produced by the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security. Let's listen and learn why Mary Robinson is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear.
So, Mary, you have had a very strong commitment to human rights and justice in everything you've done. Where did this spring from? How did this passion uh, develop in the life of Mary Robinson? It came very early because I grew up in the west of Ireland, the only girl wedged between four brothers, two older than me and two younger than me. So of course I had to be interested in human rights and gender equality and using my elbows. And I also uh, recognised that uh, I had few choices as a woman, as a girl growing up to be a woman at that time in Ireland, except that my parents kept telling me, you are equal to your brothers. I really appreciated that they were telling me this. But the outside environment wasn't. It was telling me that I had the choice of getting married quite early, becoming a nun, or being creative if I had the possibility. I wanted to be a poet, but somehow it just didn't work out. So I decided to become a nun because I had a, an aunt, a sister of my father's. He had two sisters who were nuns, both of them. And one of them did great work in India with poor communities and she spoke various languages and she learned yoga, etc. And she used to write these long letters about all the good work she was doing. And I thought, well, that's for me. And luckily, the Reverend Mother at the time said, well, Mary, we would be very happy if you um, became part of our congregation, but maybe you should go away for a year and think about it. And my parents sent me to Paris. And of course, that changed everything. <laughs> and you then really immersed yourself in the law, didn't you? That's right. I uh, studied law for four years in Trinity. And then I was very lucky to get a, um, a fellowship to Harvard. I'm the class of 1968. What a year it was, 1968. First of all, when I came to Harvard, I was very impressed by the young people who were my contemporaries. Many of them were disputing what they called an immoral war in Vietnam. <laughs> They were very concerned about poverty in the south of the country, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I understood at last that young people could actually make a difference and they were making a difference and they were going out there and taking responsibility. And, and that wasn't the Ireland of that time. In Ireland, if you were young, you waited. You waited into your 30s and then you waited into your 40s. And if you were a woman, you probably didn't have any role at all. You waited forever. <laughs> waited forever. In 1969, I was elected to the Irish Senate at the age of 25. That sort of extraordinary involvement of young people that I saw in that year in Harvard really influenced me deeply. I called for removal of the ban on divorce in our Irish constitution. I called for the legalisation of family planning. I called for the legalisation of homosexuality between consenting male adults, which is how we described it in those days. And I called for an end to suicide in criminal law. Um, family planning in Ireland uh, was, it, it was ridiculous is all, the only word I can call it, um, because the law didn't match the reality. I think that, that this is not a legal problem, or it oughtn't to be a legal problem, it's a, a moral and medical and personal problem, personal responsibility. Um, married women could only avail of the contraceptive pill if their doctor prescribed that they had cycle regulation problems. And we used to joke that it must have been the Irish weather that so many women had cycle regulation problems. And it was against the criminal law to either buy or sell a condom, but it wasn't against the law at all to use a condom. And then I thought, well, I'm going to devise a, an amendment, a simple amendment to this bill. I got two male senators to join me. I propose to have quite a short technical legal bill which will repeal Section 17 of the Criminal Law Amendment Act 1935 
which makes it a crime to sell or have for sale or advertise contraceptives. I became a hate figure overnight. Uh, I remember walking down the main street in Dublin, Grafton Street, and feeling somebody's going to jump out and say, you are a horrible witch, you are a terrible woman, because that, that's the feeling I had. In all that period, I realised afterwards that I was learning to cope with having to believe that what I was doing was worth paying a price. And having learned that lesson at a very young age, no criticism later affected me to the same extent. You know, you, of course, you develop the scar tissue, you develop a toughness the in a sense. skin of a rhinoceros, <laughs> well, Eleanor Roosevelt <laughs> called it. But somehow this senator uh, who kept making her way eventually became a candidate for president of Ireland. How did that happen? Uh, I was very surprised when a former Labour colleague and still a friend, also a lawyer, came to see me. And I thought he had a family problem or something. And he said the Labour Party was thinking about whom they might nominate to contest the next presidential election. And they thought of me. Now, my initial response was, no way, no way. I mean, I've got a good life now doing law and it's important work. But I was too polite to say no. And I said, look, um, let me think about it over the weekend. And then I rang Nick and I said, you know, what do you think of this? And Nick said, it's Valentine's Day, come to lunch. <laughs> and when I came to lunch, more or less what he said was, you know, you're the constitutional lawyer. You've taken lots of Have you ever read the provisions of the Constitution about the presidency? And I hadn't. And I went and I read, and I read that oath of the president's. And I thought to myself, you know, the president of Ireland under this constitution should be doing far more and be far more meaningful. What was striking to me was how, um, when I began my campaign for presidency, I could walk down the street of most towns and nobody knew who I was because my reputation was a lawyer, an intellectual, somebody brought cases, somebody, um, it wasn't of the common people. But what I found when I realised that I was a candidate for the presidency was that I had to open myself up and become much more like my mother. You know, I kind of almost modelled myself on my father, who was a very devoted uh, medical doctor all his life, a vocational doctor. And his patients, he had a great human rights approach to medicine. So that was that. But my mother was somebody who was so interested in people and had this great rapport, this great memory for who she met and didn't meet. And I found myself becoming like her and opening up as I went around the country. I became very interested that people were warming to me and I reached out in particular to those women who uh, would have, you know, sort of stood at the back or said, oh, I'm only a housewife. And I thought, this is my constituency now. These are the people I really want to represent. I was elected by men and women of all parties and none, by many with great moral courage who stepped out from the faded flags of the Civil War and voted for a new Ireland. And when I was elected, I thanked Manaw Naheran, which means the women of Ireland, but it was the pejorative way of referring to, oh, Manaw Naheran, you know, pff. And above all, by the women of Ireland, Manaw Naheran. <laughs> the women of Ireland, Manaw Naheran, who instead of rocking the cradle, rocked the system. <laughs> But it's not just that you won, it's that you really transformed the office of President of Ireland. How did you do that? What did you do? First of all, I decided to do it proudly and confidently as a woman, 
that it was actually an advantage to be a woman and I would do a better job precisely because I was a woman. I said, there's another part of this island that I love, Northern Ireland, and I um, wanted to help peace building. And this was, again, you know, in 1990, well before Good Friday Agreement, etc. But also internationally. I said, I want to do something for international human rights, give Irish leadership. And I had no idea, no idea what that would mean. And I did have those opportunities because they just occurred. In 1992, I was the first head of state to go to Somalia when there was the famine mm-hmm. because of the warlords fighting. Just to see the long lines in Somalia of um, women and also some men holding children, some of them, you know, seven or eight, but looked like three or four year olds, and then them dying in their arms in some cases. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you will always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see, like more time and range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's so fascinating to hear you talk about these uh, various chapters in your book of life because the one chapter would clearly lead to the next chapter and influence the next chapter. Yeah, because I don't plan things, you know, in that sense. um, But those experiences stay with you and you don't divorce them from the rest of your life. No. So, Mary, you stepped down from the presidency to take on Um, the role of the UN High Commissioner in Human Rights. That was a year where I traveled a great deal, including my first visit to China, 
which was both important and, of course, unprecedented. China has human rights problems, major problems, but it's not alone in having human rights problems, and I was interested at the uh, awareness of and willingness to admit human rights problems um, by the leadership uh, with whom I spoke here in China. You know, nobody on human rights had been to China. I insisted on going to Tibet, and eventually the Chinese agreed. I learned a lot from some of the good women who were working with me, like, for example, Asma Yahangir and Hina Jilani, the two sisters from Pakistan. And what they taught me was how to deal with uh, issues like early child marriage and female genital mutilation, that don't call them culture, don't say, you know, call them harmful traditional practices. You know, apartheid was a harmful traditional practice and slavery was a harmful traditional practice. And then work within communities. Some uh, time later, you become the UN envoy for the war-ravaged Great Lakes region in Africa. And uh, at the time, I remember, a number of the uh, nations had signed on to a pact for security, stability, and development. Mm -hmm. And the whole hope was that this would begin to create that sense of security, real security, stability, and development in those countries. In a UN Special Envoy for Africa's Great Lakes region, former Irish President Mary Robinson arrived in Goma on Tuesday. And you have this very big task representing the United Nations. Robinson, who assumed the Special Envoy role last month, is tasked with leading political efforts to bring an end to more than two decades of conflict in the region. But as part of this role, with all of its components, you really put a premium on the role that women have to play. What I did was I tried to meet as much as possible in every city, in Goma, in Kinshasa, in Kigali, and wherever I was, with um, civil society, and then have a separate meeting with women. It was important because um, women don't always open up in a mixed group and men often dominate. And so, so uh, once or twice I actually threw the men out so I could have a meeting with the women. One of the reasons why I was happy to do and honoured to do the position of Special Envoy for the Great Lakes in Africa was that I had been working with a focus on African countries on economic and social rights, rights to health and to food and women, peace and security issues all over Africa in the years after my time as High Commissioner. And that's what brought me to climate change. I never spoke about climate change when I was High Commissioner. I learned about it on the ground in Africa, how deeply poor countries and communities were being already affected by climate change. And so I morphed into climate justice, the injustice of climate change, and the need to ensure that because there's an injustice and because we're all responsible, especially the big emitting parts of the world that built their economies on fossil fuel, we're all responsible. We have to have a development fairness, which is that once when we have this clean energy, off-grid and on-grid, it must get to everyone. Often that the, the words climate and justice are not in the same phrase. And you're explaining... Nor is climate and gender and human rights. Exactly. <laughs> and you have brought all of those into the climate conversation. So could you tell us how all of that came mm. together for you? It was an important step, if I may say so, Milan, when you as then uh, U.S. Uh, um, Global Ambassador for Women... Uh, agreed to let me persuade you to come to the conference in Durban, which was just before we were planning to strengthen uh, gender 
the next conference in Doha and we were plotting in Durban and it led to the constituency of women who'd been trying so hard and finding it very difficult to get their voices heard. They became very encouraged and we worked to get gender into the Paris Agreement and then the gender action plan. And the troika of women leaders on gender and climate took a further important step, which was, yes, we're at the table. But what about the important voices of grassroots indigenous who are not able to get to the table? They can get to the outer fringes, but they're not in where the decisions are being taken and they can't influence the delegates. And now in the last few years, we've been hearing these voices. So we know that women are not just victims of the horrors of climate change, but they are active in solving the problems. And we also know, even though we may not frequently act on that knowledge, that each of us really has to address this issue. And yet it is an issue that seems not to be completely embraced, even by the women's movement. I think about this a lot because I'm trying to, you know, focus on getting women leaders to really take, you know, as seriously as anything else, more seriously than anything else, the fact that we are not on course for a safe world for our children and grandchildren. And interestingly, when I'm with African women leaders now, they don't need any convincing. They're absolutely, and it's right on top of their agenda. When I'm with Asian women, right on top of their agenda. It's Europe and the United States. We feel it's something in the future, but it's not actually affecting us. And there are other issues like Me Too and equal pay and empowerment. And and it's great that there is mobilization around those issues, but we have to get real. Uh, A year ago, I took advice from wise friends and they said, Mary, if you really want to get get to more women in particular, get to people generally about climate change, why don't you do a podcast? To which I asked the question, what's a podcast? I didn't know. And now you're the queen of podcasts. Hello and welcome to Mothers of Invention, our new podcast series where we're celebrating the fact that although climate change is most definitely a man-made problem, it has a wonderfully feminist solution. I'm Maeve Higgins. I'm a comedian and I live in New York. Uh, I'm amazed at how well the podcast I'm doing with another Irish woman who's based in New York, uh, Maeve Higgins, um, has done. It's called Mothers of Invention. And briefly, the tagline is climate change is a man-made problem and requires a feminist solution. And I do add when I'm talking about it like this, that man-made, of course, is generic. It includes women. And a feminist solution absolutely includes men, as long as they embrace a feminist solution. And uh, the the thing about doing it with a comedian is we are also having fun. You know, every time I'm getting so serious, she says something terribly funny. What we have been sending is shocking. It's not beautiful PET bottles that could potentially be recycled. It's nappies. It's soiled stuff. It's just container after container of our rubbish that we are just... I blame the babies. They're so (laughs) messy. Baby wipes, nappies. We need to really take on babies. (laughs) Look, Maeve, I dissociate myself from these remarks. (laughs) I I don't know why, but I think that helps. It helps that we're having fun, that we like each other, and that we're very serious about what we're serious about, but we're also, you know, prepared to we blag off each other, as we'd say in Ireland, you know. Well, it's it's what you said at the beginning of much of your political career, which is really speaking to people where they're living their lives. Yeah. And I think for all of us today, the message of the fact that we all need to be active on climate change is an important one. And your voice has called many of us to action. I speak <laughs> about that personally. So well, thank you, Mary Robinson. I do appreciate very much our conversation. 
talking to Mary Robinson always fills me with hope. Here are three things I took away from our conversation. First, as Mary said, working for a cause bigger than yourself gives you the courage to overcome anything. When Mary was starting out in politics, she was concerned about how the public would react to her more controversial stands. But then she realized how important her work was, and after that, criticism couldn't stop her. Second, a surefire way to make progress is to form networks of support. On the presidential campaign trail, Mary learned to reach out to citizens who had been overlooked, especially Ireland's women. They propelled her to victory. And as she said, instead of rocking the cradle, they rock the system. Finally, Mary reminds us that climate change is also a matter of justice and fairness. And fortunately, we all have the ability to make a difference on this global problem, and women especially can lead us to a solution. To learn more, read Mary's consequential book, Climate Justice, Hope, Resilience, and the Fight for a Sustainable Future. And to hear more from Mary, listen to her Mothers of Invention podcast. And you can hear more conversations with women leaders who are making change on the Seeking Peace podcast from the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security. And tune in to the next episode of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Learn about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. 
To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 